This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You all know I love traveling, but last year I found myself living in Germany during lockdown, okay? Lockdown meaning I had no friends, no support system, I couldn't speak the language. I was truly locked inside for months with my only social outings involving going to the grocery store and my only outlet being work, which was fast track to feeling burnt out and isolated. I knew I needed help and someone to talk to, so I downloaded BetterHelp. It was exactly what I needed, and I've been using it ever since then. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You can talk to your therapist in a private, online environment at your own convenience. I currently do it in my bedroom while traveling. One of the reasons I continue to use BetterHelp is because of the range of expertise and their 20,000-plus therapist network. It gives you access to help that you may not find available in your area. For example, maybe you're struggling with relationships, so you're seeking out someone who specializes in relationships. Or maybe you're struggling with family dynamics or depression, and you want to find someone that specializes in those fields, you can filter it out on the app. You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with therapists in under 48 hours. Then you can schedule secure video and phone sessions, plus you can exchange unlimited messages and everything you share is completely confidential. I use the text feature all the time with my therapist, Rosalie. Between sessions, I'll share what's coming up, like any triggers or issues that I'm facing, and she helps me work through them before our next video session. It's honestly my favorite feature, especially with my time zone difference here in South Africa. And here's the thing, finding the right therapist is like dating and you have to find the right match. Fortunately, with BetterHelp, you can request a new therapist at no additional charge anytime. Join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. And guess what? You get a 10% discount off your first month of therapy. Just use my link betterhelp.com slash rife10. Oh, and PS, they have financial aid. So check that out too. Again, use code RIFE10 at checkout or head to the link in my show notes where the code is automatically applied. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm reporting live from Valencia, sweating in my apartment. I don't know how I'm sweating when the AC is blasting, but that is how hot it is here. And coming from Cape Town winter to Valencia summer, by the way, it's the type of summer where people leave because it's so hot and half the things are closed. Yeah, it's been an adjustment to say the least. So now my uh, skincare routine has drastically changed. My makeup routine has changed because I simply just can't wear that much makeup. My hair is in a bun every day or some type of clip. My clothes have gotten much shorter and I'm wearing less of it because of how freaking hot it is. So yeah, like I said, uh, Valencia is really hot, but if you don't know, I studied abroad here too. So it's also really cool to come back and experience it in a different way because obviously I'm not 21 anymore and not just a student. I have my own business now. I'm an adult. I'm in a much different stage of life. And also we're in a totally different place than where I studied abroad. So the neighborhood isn't even close to where I studied abroad. And so being in this neighborhood now and adjusting to everything different, like the grocery stores, the cafes, the surroundings, the gym, the routines, completely different. So it's like coming back to Valencia has been nostalgic, but also a very different experience. 
I am planning to head to my FSU study center that uh, I went to when I was 21 on Monday. So maybe I'll feel a little more nostalgic, but yeah, right now I'm in such a different neighborhood that I haven't really felt anything. And if you're a first time listener and you're tuning in and you're like, why is she in Spain living there right now? I'm on a four month trip with a company called Remote Year and we travel together as a group for four months. It's a bunch of remote workers. So we all work, we all play, we all take vacations, and we stick together with this group for four months. Next month, we go to Portugal. The month after that, we go to Croatia. And we just wrapped up in Cape Town last month. So that's why in the beginning of my episodes, you're going to hear a lot of travel updates because, I don't know, I think it's cool to hear what's going on behind the scenes. And maybe it will inspire you to set up your lifestyle to work remote, or maybe just visit some of the places I'm going to. So if you tuned into one of my recent episodes with Lynette Wennerstrom, it was about locational astrology and planetary lines. Astrology is something that back in the day, I was pretty much like a lot of people and just read my horoscope in magazines, or I would see it in the paper and it wasn't really a big deal. I come from a very small beach town, very traditional type of upbringing, went to public school, went to a public college got a job in corporate America. I didn't grow up in a super spiritual community. And so astrology as a divination tool was definitely never on my radar. And then as I got older and I started to really tap into different spiritual tools, astrology was more on the radar. And actually my very first real birth chart reading was in Bali when I quit my job in 2019. So I went to Bali, did this whole eat, pray, love journey. And I remember just booking this, this chart reading and it was actually a Vedic astrologer. So that's something that you'll learn. There's different types of astrology, but this Vedic astrologer gave me a reading and I didn't know what to expect. I kind of was like, oh, this sounds cool. Let's just see what it says. It, you know, usually these things are fun and insightful, but I wasn't expecting much. By the time we were done, he had written up like three pages of notes. He was in full mad scientist mode. He was scribbling things, pointing to my chart, showing me all around. And the way he was talking about me was almost as if he like talked to my mom and got information about me and then told me. Like I seriously was like, did he like talk to my mom or something? Because how does he know these things? I mean, he literally was like, you're going to have a career and communications and like public speaking and helping people. And at this point, I did not have my podcast coaching business. So that was wild. He also said, you know, you are going to have your own business. You are going to be your own boss. Remember at this time in 2019, I did not have a business. I didn't start my business until summer of 2020. So it was just really interesting. And the way he was able to figure out these things was because of my birth chart and my placements and my houses and the planets and all this stuff. And that's when it really started to click with me that, Maybe astrology isn't bullshit. Maybe it's something that actually can give us a language to some things that maybe we don't have the words for. So in the last three years, astrology has become a much bigger part of my life. I got really into it last year, almost to the point where I was like, I really want to dive into this and make it a part of my business. I was like highly considering taking astrology courses and learning how to read birth charts and like incorporating it into my work somehow. I bought some courses. I got a ton of more needle chart readings and I was just constantly consuming astrology content. I downloaded like five different astrology apps and I got really into it. And I think something that is a fun lesson here is the baby steps. It's not something overnight. I would read things every day in the apps and be like, I have no clue what like Jupiter trining Pluto means. Uh, you know, at 60 degrees. I'm like, I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means when it says 
Mercury's in Virgo on August 26th. So get ready, buckle up. Like, I don't, I don't know what that means. But when I check the app every single day and I read content every single day and I follow astrologers and I get natal chart readings and then I start to really dive into it more, things start to click a little bit more. So am I an expert? By no means. As we know, this podcast is called In My Non-Expert Opinion. And that's why I wanted to have someone come on that was an expert that actually did a natal chart reading for me and has a different perspective from a Hellenistic point of view. So remember, my first birth chart reading was with a Vedic astrologer. And Dana, who is on the show today, she goes by Self-Help Witch. She did a natal chart reading for me from the Hellenistic point of view. And then I've also gotten one with like whole house signs or whole sign houses. As you can see, I'm still not an expert. And so I think it's really cool to get these different perspectives. I think my favorite thing about my natal chart reading with Dana was that A, she delivered it to me in a Notion document. And if you work with me as a client, you know that I really love to organize things into Notion. I actually created a master document that I sent all my clients that's on Notion. And a lot of that was really inspired by Dana. And Dana helped me build that master document. So Dana is a whiz with Notion, a whiz with natal charts. And so it was really easy for me to follow, especially as a visual learner. And the way she explained things really started, again, to give language to pieces of me that I didn't have language for. There's a part of me that always wants to go off the grid. And I mean like off the grid, like change my name, like change my telephone number, not talk to friends or family for like six months, live in Berlin, be a writer, go to crazy sex clubs and hang out with different people and like just do different things. And to me, I'm like, but that's not how I grew up. Right. Like that's, that's a piece of me that you would be like, what? Like maybe it's not that surprising. I don't know. There, the way I perceive myself is so different than others perceive me, but that's the point. The natal chart starts to explain some of these things. And it's like, oh, okay. The reason I live in fantasy land in my head about relationships. And whenever I picture a, a beautiful relationship, it's us like rolling around on the beach in Italy, drinking rosé. Maybe that's because my Venus is in Pisces and they're really romantic and fantasy land and floaty and fun and light. And, you know, my Jupiter's in Leo and that is really expansive and Leo's really bold. So maybe that's why I have a podcast and I've never given up on it and I've been doing it for five years. It's because like, that's what I love doing. I, I feel really generous doing this podcast because it's such a time and energy commitment, but I love doing it. Like it's never even crossed my mind to stop doing it. And then I'm like, oh, maybe that's because my Jupiter's in Leo. So it's just really cool when you find out what your natal chart says about you. And here's my favorite part about natal charts. We have all the planets inside of us, all the energies, and no natal chart is better than the other. I think humans have a tendency to be like, oh, I wish, you know, my North Node was in this sign, or I wish I was a blank, blank sun. I wish I wasn't a Scorpio, like whatever. And Dana and I talk about that today. Like, why those things are so mislabeled, like there's no good or bad, there's no right or wrong. It's what your chart says about you. If, if you have a tough placement, it might just be because you're here to learn something. Maybe one of your placements is exalted and that's where you really shine. And so you don't need to learn that lesson. So that's why I love natal charts. And I wanted to have Dana on today to explain not only how to read them, but how it helped her. She shares a really powerful story, and I don't want to spoil it. I want you to listen so you can hear how she got into astrology, but also just how the fuck to understand your natal chart. I know when I first saw mine, I was like, cool, this means absolutely nothing to me. Like, I don't know what this says. And so I had to have someone who is an expert come in and really help me understand. 
Dana loves using her many interests and skills to help women live meaningful lives. Her offerings include astrology readings designed to help cultivate deeper self-awareness, custom notion templates, which I 100% recommend. I've had her make two or three templates for me, which are absolutely incredible, and digital product consultations that help experts translate their knowledge into killer eBooks, workshops, and courses. You can find her on Instagram at selfhelpwitch. Her podcast is also selfhelpwitch. And today we're really talking about astrology as self-help. And before we dive in, I have a really special giveaway this month. For the month of August, anybody who leaves a review, I am giving away a 30-minute podcast consult. Right now, my consults are only 15 minutes, and the 30-minute ones, we're going to go way deeper. So if you don't have a podcast, what I'm going to do is help you brainstorm from scratch and help you develop a content strategy and a launch plan. And if you do have a podcast, what we're going to do is audit what you currently have and then see how we can pivot or expand and maybe even monetize what you have going on. Again, my 30-minute consults are not anywhere on my website. This is only an exclusive special for listeners, and this is for people who leave a review during the month of August. So all you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, go to my podcast, scroll down to write a review, leave a review, and then take a screenshot before you send it into Apple because it will take a while to actually go through. Take a screenshot and send it to me on Instagram at Chelsea Rife or to my email info at ChelseaRife.com. And again, anyone who leaves a review in the month of August will get this free 30-minute consult. All right, without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode with Dana from Self-Help Witch. What's up, everybody? We're back for another episode of In My Non-Expert Opinion, and I am here with Dana of Self-Help Witch. Welcome to the show, Dana. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you on because not only have you helped me understand my natal chart, you also have built me really custom, amazing Notion templates. So you're like an astrology and Notion queen. Well, thank you. I have a lot of talents, (laughs) a lot of interests, (laughs) try to find a way to make them all work. So I'm glad that glad that you are enjoying them. (laughs) Gosh, you saved my life with the master notion template that I made for all my clients. It's incredible. So guys, before we even get in, if you need help with Notion, Dana is your go-to person as well as natal charts because you made mine in Notion. And so I can always refer back to it, which I'm obsessed with. I have it pulled it up right now. I love that too. I think that sometimes with readings, I don't know if you've had other readings, but my first natal chart reading, it was a phone call. And uh, that was really hard because I had no visual aid. And then I also had to take my own notes and I was new to astrology. So I love to give that to people so they have a point of reference for later because it's a lot of information. Oh yeah. And something I realized only recently is that I'm actually a majority visual learner. So I always thought I was audio because I love podcasting. I learned so much, but to your point, natal charts, usually people get them when they're pretty new to it. So when you're using terminology like stelliums or, you know, sextile or ad conjunction, I'm like, I don't know what that means. And you put keyword references, you have all the angles, like it is really such an incredible document. I can't get over how resourceful it is. Well, thank you so much. Amazing. So I'm actually looking at it right now. And before we even dive into natal charts and astrology and really just the deeper meaning of what astrology is here to help us with, I want to know how did you come up with self-help witch? How was that born? Well, it's been a journey. I think most of us with a business know that it, it kind of starts from a personal experience, something we needed that we realized once we kind of worked through our own stuff, we could help other people with. And that's definitely true for me. 
Well, before we even dive into natal charts and astrology and what it's really here to help us do, I want to know about Self-Help Witch. How was that born? Yeah, so for me, and I think this is probably true for a lot of us with businesses, especially like spiritual businesses, it came from a personal need that I had, which I then realized I could share with other people to help them if they were going through something similar to me. So essentially I had this awakening moment. I kind of hate the phrase spiritual awakening, to be honest. I haven't found a phrase that's more accurate, but Suffice it to say, I had this awakening experience where I had quit drinking and through that recovery process, I realized I had really deep codependency and people pleasing issues. And it kind of all came to a head in this like health journey I took after I quit drinking. Um, It was during COVID. And so, you know, I really wanted to maximize the time I had at home. I was working out a lot and I had reached this weight goal that I had for years and when I got there, I was like, oh my God, I feel nothing. Like, I, I don't care about this. And it was in that moment when I realized how much of what I had done was really for external validation. And in that, I was like, well, what do I care about? What's important to me? And I was asking myself like such fundamental questions like, what do I do for fun? And I didn't have the answer. And that really freaked me out because I just understood in that moment how deeply I did not know myself. And I was already in therapy. So I was like, how could this happen? I've been working on myself. I'm doing like all the things that one does when you're trying to live a purposeful, authentic life. And I still felt so so disconnected from who I was. So I knew I needed something different in that moment. Um, I wasn't going to stop going to therapy, but I felt for me, because I was dealing with people-pleasing and codependency, that I needed a modality that I could use by myself. Astrology came to the forefront. Now, tarot actually came up on my radar first, and part of that was me like gatekeeping myself from astrology. There was a part of myself that felt like, I can't figure that out or like that's for other people. So I started with tarot that seemed more accessible. But if you are totally disconnected from your intuition, which actually I shouldn't even say it like that because you're never totally disconnected. But if you feel really unsure about your connection to your intuition, tarot is kind of a hard place to start because you're relying entirely on your intuition. So I did enjoy my tarot practice, but slowly but surely astrology kept coming up and it did seem like a more concrete tool, right? Like something that's a little more objective, I guess you can say, in that when you're studying the placements, it's a little more concrete, right? So I started studying my natal chart and I can't tell you like how profound the validation was in doing that, in articulating things about myself that I hadn't been able to say before or understand. And it was just so healing. So from there, I knew that I wanted to help other people who were going through these hard times of like personal sort of reclamation because it's not easy. You know, it sounds great. It sounds really exciting, but it's very challenging because you're ultimately facing yourself and your own shit. So I started taking an astrology course. This was, uh, gosh, May of 2021. Finished that this year. I'm now in year two, and I just started offering uh, natal chart readings last year. So that's kind of the story of how it all began and where I'm at now. And 
I just really want to help people who feel like they don't know what they want or who they are because it's still there. It's always been there. It's just a matter of reconnecting and finding the words. Wow. You know what's so interesting is the weight goal thing that you said. I think a lot of people can relate to that where they chase this goal where they're like, once I lose 10, 20 pounds, once I get into that lower size, I will feel so confident. I can finally tackle the world, start my business, start dating again. And then you hit it and you're like, nothing really happened. Like that happened for me too. And I'm curious, like, why do you think it didn't bring you the level of joy or happiness that you were looking for? Yeah, I mean, I think that for me, and it may not be true for all people, but it really just highlighted the fact that I was really seeking external validation. Any kind of goal that you put in the future like that I think personally is not really about you. It's about how you want other people to perceive you. And you're never going to find true fulfillment from that. Like anything you want for yourself, you can find joy in the present, even if it's a goal that can be achieved in the future. Like I think a weight goal, for example, could be something you really want for yourself and could bring you true fulfillment. But if that's the case, it's something you can find joy in right now. Like I'm eating healthy today because I care about my health and that makes me feel great. And then on the whole journey, you're finding that joy and satisfaction. If it's something you can't have until later, it's probably not really for you. It's for other people. Oh, so true. I love what you said about the, if it's not for you, it's for other people. And I think a lot of us are craving that, you know, oh my God, you look so good. And how did you do it? How did you get there? And we think, you and people look to us as the example, then we'll feel good. But if the whole time you're getting there, it's either not enjoyable or it's A, not sustainable. I think this happens a lot with weight stuff, right? Is like, we're like, wait, I like was in the gym all the time, restricting myself, counting calories, doing all these things, but I, I don't plan to live the rest of my life like that. So what was that all for? <laughs> it's a really interesting cycle. Absolutely. And I think it's one that people don't really like to be vulnerable and talk about like this. So uh, it's it's a part of my story that I hesitate to share, but I think it's so important for people to hear because it's pretty common, I think. I think it's really common. I, I know personally, I don't have a scale anymore. I don't use tracking apps anymore because I was just thinking about my future. I'm like, this is not something I plan to do when I travel and have a family and you know want to live my life truly when I think of it in its most colorful expression is not like sitting with an app tracking things and weighing myself every day. Absolutely. Where's the joy in that? Exactly. And you know, what's interesting is you mentioned astrology was a tool that really started to validate some things for you. But before we dive into that, I want to know what you thought about astrology before. Like, were you someone that grew up with astrology hearing about it or did it just land in your lap and you're like, let me explore this a bit more? Yeah. So I was the person who would like read my horoscope in my Cosmo Girl magazine as a child, but I'm a Pisces son and I never resonated with Pisces, which we can talk a little bit more about. But I think part of that is like sun sign astrology is just too general to, to resonate with you. So I knew about it. It was in my periphery, but 
it wasn't like a thing that I really took seriously. One of my best friends, Shannon, is very into astrology, very into tarot. And when I moved back to St. Louis um, in 2017, she read my chart for me. So this was about two years before I quit drinking and about a year before I started studying my chart myself. And I was fascinated when Shannon showed me my chart, but it felt so esoteric and so like, what the hell even is this? That it was not even a thing that I thought, oh, I could learn about this myself. So I kind of was like, that's really cool, but like, I can't do anything with that. And then it kind of faded into the background, but I'm glad that I was exposed to it when I was, because if she hadn't shown me my chart, I don't know if I would have thought about it as a modality to use later when I really needed it. Wow. It's so interesting when someone shows you it and you're like, wait, like you just said, this doesn't mean anything to me. And then in hindsight, you're like, oh, it actually makes so much sense. I also am, I grew up, you know, reading my horoscope too. And something that I think was never really explained in the magazines is like, what is astrology for? And I think there's a big misunderstanding that it's like a crystal ball that, you know, it says today, open up your eyes, you could meet your partner or you're going to have an adventurous weekend. And then people take it very literally like, well, I didn't meet my husband. I didn't go on vacation. So I guess my horoscope is wrong and astrology is Mm -hmm. bullshit. How did you start to weave astrology into your life? And like, what is its purpose for you? This is a huge question, and I love it because it really digs into the philosophy of astrology. And so I'll say before I say anything else, like you just said, like this is my take, right? So if you are an astrology aficionado out there listening and you disagree, like that's that's good. <laughs> you have your opinion and I can have mine because look, astrology is 30,000 years old. That's one thing a lot of people don't realize. This isn't like a new thing. It's been around for eons. And as you said, like sun sign astrology, it's tends to be phrased in such a way where it's definitive answers. And the, the truth is the symbols in our charts are archetypal, which just means they're multidimensional, they're multivalent, and they're going to show up in a multitude of ways throughout the course of your life. So even something that appears as static as a birth chart, there are so many ways that it's going to bloom and manifest throughout your life that you could study it every day for the rest of your life and get something new out of it. And this kind of takes us into like, well, what even is astrology? To me, astrology is a divination practice, which is to say it's like tarot in that when you look at the cards or you look at your chart, the person interpreting it, which would be, you know, you, if you're studying your chart, you are in this scenario, a diviner. You are someone who's communicating with the spiritual realm, the ethers, the universe, whatever like word you want to use to describe it. And your filter and perspective is what's making sense of the chart. So in that way, the diviner is extremely important. And that is why I think it's such a powerful tool for self-reflection. Because if you approach your chart with the intention to learn something more about yourself, even if you don't know a lot about the chart, like, of course, there are some fundamental things that are going to help you make sense of it. But even if you're new you will be able to get something very powerful out of examining your birth chart for yourself. So in short, it's a way for you to dig deeper into yourself and to understand your connection to the world around you. Oh, so true. And I think what the chart helps you understand too is we all know our sun sign, right? Like that's what we grew up reading in the magazines and that's what we see on the apps. And then 
all of a sudden people started to understand there was a big three and there's a chart ruler and there's your North node. And I think to your point, if there's parts of yourself that you can't really put into words or you don't have the language, I feel like astrology gives you that language. I think, you know, when I look at my Jupiter and Leo or the fact that my Pluto's in Scorpio, like that starts to make me understand these different sides of myself. Because I think when we grow up, we really identify with only one side. And we think like we have to stick like that. Like we have fixed identities of like, well, I'm just an accountant. So I'm an analytical person or, you know, I'm uh, an Aquarius. So I'm innovative and out there instead of looking at our whole chart of like, yeah, maybe in public you're like that, but maybe in private you're like this. And maybe mentally you think this and you're like, oh my God, there's words to put to this stuff. Exactly. I say it's a cosmic language. And what you're doing when you're looking at a chart is you're interpreting that language. And to say more about the idea of a fixed identity, you know, I love an astrology meme just like the rest of us, but that's kind of the problem with those is that they perpetuate the idea that like these placements are one thing and they are never one thing. Again, every placement in your chart, even if we're just talking about your sun sign, it's going to manifest in a multitude of ways throughout your life. So it's like, sometimes I think the stereotypes of astrology lead us to believe that we are one thing when in actuality, astrology helps us understand how multifaceted we are. A hundred percent. I feel like, especially if you're someone that's struggling with your career, I actually feel like astrology, excuse me, natal chart readings are really helpful because you're like, oh, there is a side of me that's maybe a little more of a publisher or a writer than I thought. And maybe I'm going to start writing poetry or a book or something. And maybe you start leaning towards that career path where I think if you didn't have this information, again, you just get really stuck in like, well, that's not my educational background. That's not what I do now in corporate. And I just can't explore other sides of me. I feel like the natal chart gives you permission to explore those sides of you. Absolutely. And that's how, you know, it reminds me of why I call my business self-help witch. Like to me, studying your birth chart is self-help work because as you just said, what can happen when you're reflecting on your placements is you recognize how much potential you have. And that's really what self-help work is all about. It's about recognizing how expansive you can become and how you can offer that to the world. So yeah, absolutely. And it helps us see like, yeah, just all the possibilities that we have because we are... (laughs) We are so much more expansive than we give ourselves credit for. And I think the chart is a beautiful way to help us see that. Yes. Amen. I feel like there was a big boom recently in the last probably two years, probably during the pandemic when people had all this downtime. It was really a catalyst for self-discovery and like, what am I really doing with my life? Is this what I want to be doing? Should I start new projects? Like there was just a lot of questioning and reflecting. And I feel like there was a big boom in people getting into astrology and understanding their birth charts in a way that I hadn't ever seen before. You know, now everyone knows their big three and everyone knows their North Node. And I just remember seeing that. And I want to hear your perspective of like, where do you think this big boom came from? I think you're absolutely right. When COVID happened, all of our day-to-day normalcy got stripped from us. And when you are taken out of your comfort zone and when all of the, the things that sort of keep you... I don't want to sound like super negative here, but the things that kind of keep you in the minutia of your day to day are gone. 
You have nothing left but yourself. And it was, you know, just speaking from my personal experience, I had just quit drinking like three months before COVID started. So I really had everything stripped away that was keeping me from recognizing what I wasn't happy with in my life. And, you know, a lot of us, most of us like go to work on a daily basis. When that's gone, you don't have those distractions of, again, like the minutia of your day to day. So what are you left with? yourself. And you can't really ignore (laughs) yourself when there's nothing else to distract you. So I definitely think that COVID had something to do with it. And I know for me personally, working from home during that time was a huge revelation because I absolutely loved it. And I wanted to know how I could transition into a career where I could keep that going. So that was another reason I was interested in astrology because Uh, Like you said, I wanted to know what else is there for me? What else could I possibly do? And I thought my chart could help me figure that out. I love that. I think the chart, again, there's there's so much to explore. There's the houses, there's the planets, there's the signs. And that's something I want to get into today because I know everyone knows their sun sign. I'm sure by now everyone knows their big three. But I think a refresher in what these things are, and especially like the planets and the houses, would be helpful because even me, like I have talked to astrologers on this podcast. I've had multiple natal chart readings. I read my horoscope every day. I have the Chani app. Like I am very much always studying astrology and I'm still like, wait, what does my chart ruler in Mercury mean? So I want to talk about the big three really quick. Like what are, when people are finding out their sun, moon and rising, what are the characteristics of those? Like, what does it, what does it entail when you know your sun, moon and rising? So I'll start by saying for me, the philosophical underpinnings of these placements are very helpful in remembering what they are, you know, at the snap of a finger rather than like just the keywords. So I do want to, I want to share a little bit of my philosophical take on these. So I like to think of the sun and the moon as a combo. When you think of the sun, the sun is always uh, consistent, right? It rises and sets every day. It doesn't wax and wane like the moon. And so to the ancients who, you know, created astrology or established it as a form of awareness, the sun was like spirit. It doesn't change. It's always there. It's consistent and it's life-giving. Without it, we cannot live. On the other hand, the moon waxes and wanes. It is always changing, like our fate and fortune, like our physical bodies. So we equate the sun with the spirit. It's that part of you that does not change. And then we equate the moon with all things that wax and wane in your life, whether that be your fate and fortune, your physical body, your emotions. And if you think about it, we need both. So it's not like one's more important than the other. Without the sun, you're just a body. And without the body, you can't be in the material world. Uh, So they're, they're both equally important, but they tell us different things. The other thing I'll say super quickly is that from my perspective, I've learned about Hellenistic astrology, which is the ancient Greek form of astrology. And it's a little bit different than the more modern psychological take because the Hellenistic take asserts that basically your chart is not just about you. It also talks about the context of your life. So for example, the sun can indicate your personal spirit, but it also speaks to the general themes of your life, which are external from you, right? And I personally really love that because when the chart is only about you, it's actually kind of limiting and placements that look scary or bad can feel really demoralizing. So I just like to put that out there too. The chart can represent things that are external from you, but that you're here to experience. 
I was going to say, I know you actually wrote that online. You said, I'm reading it from directly from the natal chart. It says, um, you know, it's important to know that if you have a tough placement, you do, we all do, that's life. It doesn't mean you're doomed to suffer. It just means this is a part of your karmic field that you're here, perhaps even chose to experience. Just for the sake of an example, can you share one of my quote unquote tough placements and how you think that could be something that, how would you contextualize that? Yes. So I would say your sun placement is one I would talk about. And it's probably one that a lot of people, not probably, it certainly is one a lot of people have. So it's the sun in Aquarius in the sixth house. So in the Hellenistic perspective, the sun in Aquarius is in its detriment. So what that means is it's in a sign that's opposite from its home. So a lot of us know the sun is at home in Leo. We call that domicile. So the sign opposite Leo is Aquarius. And if you think about it, like if the sun were an actual person, it'd be like if you were in a home of someone who is totally opposite from you you would just feel uncomfortable. It would be a little challenging for you to be exactly who you are. And in the case of the sun, that's a big deal because the sun is your spirit and the themes of your life. But that doesn't mean, again, like you just said, that you are doomed to be like this dim spirit in the world. It means that part of your lessons that you're here to learn is to learn how to shine within the context of work, because we're talking about your sixth house. And I know we're going to talk a little bit more about like the elements of the chart, but I'll say right here that the houses tell us the area of life that the planet and the sign are going to shine through in. So in this case with the sun in Aquarius, this is someone who has an Aquarian sun, someone that is innovative, someone that likes to do things differently, someone that goes beyond the norm in the area of work. And Because it's, again, in its detriment here, there's going to be more lessons for you probably than maybe someone with with a son in Leo. But I will say this too. I've seen, I know people that have really strong placements, meaning like a lot of planets in domicile and a lot of exalted planets, which is another good setup for the planets. And honestly, they're not doing a lot with their lives. There needs to be friction sometimes for us to get to where we want to go. It's not a bad thing to have obstacles because those obstacles teach us things and they propel us forward. So something I say all the time is like, what's good for you materially is not necessarily good for you spiritually, but what's good for you spiritually may not feel easy materially. So it's all about remembering like good and bad are relative terms. Wow, that is so helpful because I think even the word detriment you know, you hear that word and you're like, oh, it kind of makes you contract a little bit or even like tough placement. And you're like, oh my gosh, so does that mean I like just have a bad chart or am I just doomed in that one area of life? So to hear that whole piece on friction, that actually makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people are motivated by that. I mean, I know you and I are in holisticism and we learn a lot about how neurodivergent folks or people with ADHD are motivated to do things. And a lot of times it's from urgency or you know, they need a last minute type of ordeal, a lot of friction to get the thing done. And it sounds very similar to that where like some of us do need that kind of like, I don't like to use the word threat, but it kind of feels like, uh, yeah, like you need to get going or else this thing isn't going to happen. And it, it just reminds me of that. Absolutely. We all are here to experience things. And if it's all good in the chart, which by the way, is not true for any chart, but if it was, nothing would happen. 
Right. And what kind of life is that? Exactly. If life was like easy breezy, it's like, what lessons are we here to learn? Like you learn lessons by failing at them. (laughs) That's usually what happens. Exactly. Exactly. So something that you wrote in my natal chart too, again, this is so helpful because it's all in a notion document. Guys, seriously, book a reading with Dana because she will give you the best document ever. At the top, you say that planets are the base energy. So you wrote the nouns and verbs, but then you wrote the actors. Can you explain what you mean by planets are the actors? Yes. So when I talk about how to synthesize a birth chart, I say start with the planets um, because they are really like what's uh, the impulse, I guess you could say. And there's a metaphor out there. I did not come up with this metaphor, but there's a metaphor that the planets are like actors. If we're using like a theater or stage play metaphor, the planets are the actors. They are the ones that are bringing the energy to the room. The signs are like the filter or the costume, and the houses are the stage, the actual setting. So that's one way to look at it. And I think it's helpful, especially if you're new to astrology, but essentially you always want to start with the planets because they are, again, that impulse, that inertia, that that energy, they are what's the catalyst for things to happen. Yeah, that's really helpful because I think most of us, including myself, pretty much up until now, would probably do it the opposite way. Like I would look at my sign first and be like, Mm. oh, let me look at Aquarius or my Virgo moon or Virgo rising instead of maybe starting with the planets. So are you saying like, let me go first look at my, I'm just scrolling down here, my Jupiter placement, like start with where Jupiter is and then in what sign and then in what house? Yes. And you're absolutely right. We are conditioned, I think, to look at the sign first because the signs are given so much emphasis in like astrology culture. And they are important because they tell us how the planets behave. But without knowing what planet we're talking about, we don't really have anything to root our analysis in. So the the foundation of your analysis of your birth chart should begin with the planet. So if we're talking about Jupiter and Leo, okay, well, we know that Jupiter is about abundance. It's about generosity. It's about your morals and your philosophy, which is something a lot of people don't realize. It's not just abundance and growth. It's also very much about like your morals and your philosophies. And so if we start there, then we apply the filter of Leo. Well, what do we know about Leo? It is all about creativity. It's all about being bold. It's all about shining bright. And so you have a a Jupiter, a sense of morality, a sense of growth and um, abundance and generosity that is influenced by those Leo qualities of creativity and boldness and giving. So this is a very, very generous person. You know, I don't know you that well, Chelsea, but I would assume you're pretty generous just based off that one placement. And we didn't even talk about the house yet, right? So you can get a lot just from those two. That is so cool because it's, again, we all start with just our signs and then it's like, wow, there's so many filters to keep looking through and you can just go deeper and deeper. And a question I have that we, since we're talking about my Jupiter and Leo and it's Leo season, this is something I'm always curious about. Like, because we're in Leo season, does this mean that this particular area of my chart is now like more activated or highlighted or is it just like, is it not relevant? No, absolutely it does. So there's kind of two ways we can look at astrology. There's the natal analysis, which we've been talking about. And then there's when will the natal promise bloom or manifest? And that's when we get into timing techniques, which include transits. So you're absolutely right. When your natal planets are being aspected by transiting planets, 
that part of your chart is being activated. And there are a lot of timing techniques that I'm actually learning about right now in my year two program, like progress charts and um, progress lunar cycles and zodiacal releasing that truthfully, I couldn't talk to you about right now because I'm learning about them right now. (laughs) But um, there are so many ways you can look at your chart in terms of when will such and such take place or when will this energy manifest. But the simplest way is what we're talking about. And that's okay, stuff is moving through Leo. When is it going to be at eight degrees Leo? That's where Chelsea's Jupiter is. And that's a day to maybe pay more attention to Jupiterian things. Now, it's not a guarantee that something's going to come through, right? You might notice it in your you know, environment or in the world. But I would say more often than not, when stuff in your natal chart is being aspected by transiting planets, you're going to notice it in some way. Got it. Okay. So then I know we talked about this placement specifically for me was about generosity. Does that mean I'm just going to be more generous Leo season? Like maybe it's with my ideas or my time or, or something of that nature. I mean, it could mean that. And that kind of gets back to the idea that this is uh, astrology is so multidimensional and multivalent that there are truly an infinite number of ways that this energy could manifest. But I think it's important now to talk about the houses, because again, the houses are telling us the area of life in which this energy is going to come through. And this is a really interesting placement because we're talking about your 12th house. A lot of different opinions on what the 12th house means. I explain it as the house of what's hidden, what's secret, what's kept in isolation. So it's kind of dichotomous in this case, right? To talk about those topics with Jupiter. It also can be a house that indicates self-sabotage. So if I were giving you like a transit reading and I was like, all right, Chelsea, Leo season's coming up. Your natal Jupiter is about to be aspected. I would say this is a great time for self-care because I think this placement natally without even thinking about the transits, it might speak to how you maybe have a hard time being gracious and kind to yourself. And this particular, like this being activated by the astrological weather or the transits is going to give you more insight, especially when the sun aspects it, which I don't know exactly where the sun is right now, but if it's not at eight degrees yet, it probably is soon. That would be a great moment for you to like really double down on self-care and maybe like reestablish like, what do I do to take care of myself? What's important to me? How do I embody my values in my daily life? Wow. Well, see, guys, this is why I got into astrology because Dana is spot on. I have been struggling with self-care, especially on this trip. As everyone knows, I'm on a four-month trip. We're bopping around Europe right now. And there's a really, really hard time with all of us finding balance between work and play where, you know, we want to make sure we're serving our clients, but we're also traveling and we only have one month in each country. So we're really trying to explore a lot, but it's now at the detriment of our own health. Like I have been feeling Mm -hmm. sick all week because we've just been going, going, going. You don't want to miss anything at night. You don't want to miss anything in the morning. So you're just constantly socializing. And as someone who was in lockdown for the whole pandemic, constantly socializing is like pretty hard for me now. And I can just tell I feel run down. I've had a, you know, a scratch in my throat. And every day I'm like, I need a routine. Like I need something that I do where I don't speak to anybody. And I have a slow morning routine. And it's just interesting because that's exactly what you're talking about. The astrology doesn't lie, man. That's 
That's what's happening for you right now. (laughs) It's insane. You know, another thing that I feel like a lot of people hear about, but they don't really understand how to either integrate it in their lives or like look into it more is the North Node, but especially the South Node. So can we briefly touch on the North Node? And then I want to get into what the South Node is. Absolutely. So just to re kind of establish my philosophy, which this might be a, a tiny tangent, but Anytime you're taking in astrological content, it's very important to understand what that person's philosophical stance is. Because again, this practice is 30,000 years old. There are many different philosophical approaches. And I'm bringing this up because, again, I studied the Hellenistic perspective that has a different take on the North and South Node than what is more popular at this moment, which would be the evolutionary astrology take. So I'll cover the Hellenistic and then I'll talk about what I know about the evolutionary take, which again, I haven't studied as deeply. So from the Hellenistic point of view, we talk about the North Node and the South Node being the head and the tail of the dragon. And if you have the Chani app, she is a Hellenistic astrologer. So you'll see like if you look at your North Node in that natal chart like portion of the app, there's a head of a dragon there. (laughs) So the North Node from that point of view is the it's like an emphasis point. It is amplifying. It's sort of like Jupiter, but from my point of view, it can be a little more like volatile, whereas Jupiter is like the benefic. It's here to just like help everything flow and and be more cohesive. The North Node is a little bit more like a flashpoint, like a lightning bolt, but it does amplify and it's insatiable. It's like the head of the dragon in that it always wants more. And it's helpful to remember that because the south node is the tail. So it is something that it's like a release point, um, kind of in contrast to the north node. Yeah, because I feel like when I hear about the north node, this is, again, very basic astrology student trying to get into it, you know, reading the horoscopes, reading the apps. It's always like north node is kind of almost your north star of like what you're meant to accomplish or like feel through in this lifetime where I hear that south node is more of like, what's a past life lesson that you might experience again or that you is your lesson you experience in this lifetime? Do you have any general guideline like that for what your North Node and South Node like definitions are? So that point of view is the evolutionary perspective. Um, that It comes from that school of thought. And so I'm not here to say that's right or wrong, right? Like this kind of goes back to the idea of astrology being a divination practice whatever works for you works for you. If that's your your filter and you're looking at your chart from that point of view and you find out something about yourself that makes a lot of sense, then you're right, right? Like it almost like, yes, there is technique and there there is like helpful foundational concepts that it's good to know, but also it's all paths lead to the same truth as well. So I think you should use whatever approach makes the most sense to you, resonates the most to you. For me, the Hellenistic take makes the most sense. It's what's helped me understand my chart the best, and it's felt the most accurate for me. So that's what I primarily work with. But it's also good to just be aware of what the other philosophies are, just so you kind of have a a wide scope of like, how can I approach astrology? Right. And like you said, it's what works for you. There's some people that love tarot and hate oracle cards and they're both card decks, right? Like there's some people that do not understand tarot for the life of them and it doesn't make any sense and they use oracle card decks and people have totally different thoughts about both. But like you said, if it feels right, it's right. There's not like the 
astrology police or astrology council to tell you like, no, this is the wrong way to think about your South Node. It's like, does it feel true to you? Exactly. So if I'm looking at my South Node, which I am right now, and it's in Cancer, and if I'm reading this correctly, it's in the 11th house. Can you walk through what that means? Yeah. So your 11th house is the house of groups and affiliations and people helping you. And so I think with the North and South node, it's helpful to think of them as a pair just because they are two sides of the same coin. So if you've got a South node in Cancer and a North node in Capricorn, there's a dichotomy between your, and actually I'm going to talk about this with the houses for you because I think it's a little bit easier to do. So with your fifth house, this is the house of your creative expression. And with the 11th house, it's other people's, like your groups that you're a part of. So there's this natural dichotomy where you want more and more and more of your own self-expression, your own creativity, and you want to build that because we're in uh, Capricorn in your fifth house. So there's a sort of insatiable hunger for you to build something that you've created yourself. And because you also have a ton of other planets in Capricorn, that energy is like, even more potent. So there's this like huge drive to like build something that you've made yourself. And then on the other hand, there may be a like less and less of feeling like a part of a group. So the groups you're a part of, they're always going to be important to you, but it may be that you feel like you kind of have to go your own way more often than not. And that would be like what the South Node is telling us in this case. There's a, a decrease in um, the affiliations, other people helping you. That doesn't mean you're never going to get help. It just means because you've got so much Capricorn energy and the North Node in Cap that you are more inclined to go your own way. That is so interesting because, again, I'm on this trip with a group and it is a constant struggle of, I mean, it's a very literal group thing, right? Like we are traveling in a group, but it is a constant struggle for me to find that alone time and not feel like I'm missing out because, you know, a big goal of this is to make friends and I don't want to get to the end of the trip and be like, oh, I didn't bond with anyone because I was doing my own thing the whole time. But then there's this big aspect of me that's like, I want to be alone for a little bit. Like, I don't want to always be around people. There are things that I want to accomplish on this trip that have nothing to do with anybody here that don't really have the same background or they're not in the same industry as me. That doesn't mean I can't learn from them. But to your point, it does feel very much like um, I want to do this by myself. And you know, your Chiron is right next to your South Node as well. So I feel like, I mean, that would make sense even if we weren't talking about astrology. I think the feelings you're feeling would make sense regardless. But knowing your Chiron is right next to your South Node, there might be some guilt or like FOMO or something like that around like doing your own thing. And your chart is saying like, that's just what feels right for you. Yes, that is so true. You know what I want to talk about is like the memification of astrology, right? Like I follow so many astrology meme accounts and, you know, everyone, it became popular during that big boom. Everyone was starting to get into astrology, follow more of those accounts. And, you know, it really starts to water down what each of these signs are and what they mean. And I feel like there's certain signs that get a really bad rap. And I think one of those is Scorpio. And I'm curious, like, why do you think that is? I think that people like to laugh and it could be Scorpio. It could be like, it could be any sign. I don't think that there's really anything inherently bad about Scorpio. I think it's just that 
someone made fun of it and it caught on, right? Now, Scorpios, they are known for being intense. But again, like, I think it's just that someone funny made a meme, it caught on, and now it's a thing. And it's almost like that phenomenon of when you say something enough times, it becomes true, which we see with the news, you know, like a fake headline is spread enough times, people just believe it. I think it's kind of like that, um, where we just kind of accept uh, what we see as truth. And because it's entertaining, we're less discerning with, you know, how much we really question it. So I'm looking at, you know, the formula you gave us, which is to look at the planet and then the sign. So I'm looking at mine. My Pluto is in Scorpio, but then you wrote it's sextiling. Am I even saying that word right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's sextiling, Mercury in the moon. What does sextiling mean and what does that placement mean? Okay, so sextile is a type of aspect and there are a few traditional aspects that we could talk about. There's sextiles, there's squares, there's trines, and there are oppositions. So sextiles are when planets have a 60 degree apart relationship from each other. And I use whole sign houses, which makes it super easy to figure that out. Each chunk in your chart is 30 degrees. So you just count one, two over from the right and the left. And you see if there's anything within three degrees. So like for Chelsea, her uh, Pluto is at 20 degrees. Scorpio, two signs over, she's got the moon at 19. And then two signs over on the other side, she's got Mercury at 24, which is one degree more than our three degree window, but it works. So as far as what sextiles mean though, um, because really like who cares if you know that you have one, if you don't know what it means, sextiles are of the nature of Venus. So they are like Venus and that they harmonize. They bring beauty to something and they make things a little bit sweeter. And we can say, we can associate any of the traditional aspects with a planet. So sextiles are of the nature of Venus. Squares are of the nature of Mars. They create friction, tension, sometimes aggression. Uh, Trines are of the nature of Jupiter. So they make things more flowy, more cohesive, more generative. And then oppositions are of the nature of Saturn. They separate, they create boundaries and they create an opportunity for balance. So that is super helpful because I never knew that. And so whenever I'm reading Channing app or anything, or even my birth chart, I'm like, "Mm, I have no idea what this means. And it doesn't, then it's harder to understand. So this is so helpful because then we can add more, more context to it. Incredible. Well, one of the final questions I want to ask you is, you know, people are so interested in readings, but I feel like they don't really know what to ask or like what conversations to have, especially like I said, I've been really into this and I still just found out what sextiling and trying and all this stuff was. So when people are coming to you for a reading, what are some things you are trying to illuminate to them or what are some questions that you feel comfortable asking or that they should be asking? I usually ask people like in my intake form, I think I have a question along the lines of what are you hoping to gain from this or what area of life do you want to learn more about? Because I think there's really two types of people that get a chart reading. People who just want to know like the basics that are new to astrology and kind of want someone to give them an overview. And these are usually people who are on some kind of like self-awareness quest, like who am I? What can my chart tell me about that? And that's totally fine. And then there's the second group that wants to know something specific. They might be in a crisis of some sort, like, what can you tell me about relationships? What can you tell me about career? What can you tell me about family? These are the three that usually come up. And yeah, I would say 
have a goal for what you want. And if the goal is, I want to know about my chart from a general point of view, that's totally fine. I would for like, I personally would recommend trying to get a touch more specific because most every reading is going to give you the generalities of your chart from a big picture point of view and have time to give you something specific about an area of life or what's to come for you in the future. Because that's another thing you can ask about, like what's on the horizon for me in the next year or two. So yeah, I would say just think about what you want to know more about. And if you're not sure, that's, that's okay too. I love that because I think people are intimidated to book a reading because they're like, I don't, you know, I don't know about astrology. I don't really know what to ask. So I'm just going to avoid it. So this is really helpful to hear. And if you want to learn about astrology, like if you want to ask questions like we were talking about today, like it, it appears I have a lot of opposition in my chart. What does that mean? That's amazing. That's amazing. But the other thing is most astrologers, or at least I'll speak for myself. I look for stuff like that. Like when I sit with a chart, I look for what stands out to me. So I'm not just going to tell you about your big three. I'm going to tell you about what I notice. And if there's something obvious, it's going to stand out and, and we'll touch on it. So don't feel like you have to have a PhD in astrology to, to book a reading. Yes. And I'm pretty sure I may have given you some topic points, and but you came again with like what stood out. And that was really helpful to me because I'm like, when I look at a chart, it looks like, again, I don't even really study astrology. So to me, it's just this random circle. So when you were like, oh my gosh, you know, the Capricorn stellium is standing out and that your son is in detriment. I'm like, oh, okay. That's really helpful because I would have never known to ask that. And you know, even like I still get chart readings for myself as someone who studies astrology because it's so hard for us to get out of our own perspective. It is incredibly helpful to have someone else look at your chart, even if you've been studying a long time. And I'll just give this quick example. My astrology teacher does a Kickstarter every year, and one of the rewards was a $10 reading. So I donated and, and got that reward. And he noticed that my son trines my MC, which I feel like is super fucking obvious, but I had never noticed that before. And I'd been studying my chart for almost two years at that point. So even if you've been studying astrology for, for a long time, it is like invaluable to have another pair of eyes because you just don't know what you're missing. Right. That's so helpful. Well, the final question I have, I have two more questions, is we're in Leo season and this will come out in a few weeks. Is there anything that we should be on the lookout for Leo season? Any energies, any dates? Like what's really sticking out to you this month? Okay, so this is great to talk about because it's not only a thing for this month, but it's going to affect us for the next several months. So on August 20th, Mars will enter Gemini. And that is great news because right now Mars is in Taurus, which is a Venus ruled sign and Mars does not do as well in Venus ruled signs. So if you've been feeling frustrated, impatient, irritable, you can blame Mars and Taurus and that will dissipate when Mars enters Gemini on August 20th. But the thing is, Mars is going to be in Gemini until March 25th, 2023, because Mars is going to retrograde between October 31st and uh, January 13th. So we're in for the long haul when Mars enters Gemini on the 20th. And you can expect an increase in your curiosity. And during that retrograde period, whatever you're learning about, whatever you're curious about and really diving down like rabbit holes into, it might make you kind of rethink or review what you're passionate about, what you're willing to fight for, and kind of where your drive is leading you. So that's kind of what's on the horizon. 
Oh my gosh, so exciting. Are there any specific resources or apps that you recommend people tune into? The Chani app is like incredible to me. First of all, I think it's super accurate. Chani knows her shit, which like I would never talk badly about any astrologer, but she's very, very intelligent and really knows what she's talking about. And that app I think is a steal. Like the meditations are amazing. There's so many of them. You get a full natal chart breakdown. You get all the transits. You get the weekly horoscope. It, it is like a no-brainer to me. So that that's the number one place I would say to go if you're new to astrology and you're looking for a resource to help you kind of get your feet wet. I totally agree. I remember downloading the free version and I was like, wait, this is a lot of valuable information. And then when I paid for it and I got like so many other things, the accuracy, it was like a, it was almost as if someone read my diary for the, my whole life. I was like, wait, this is very specific. Like, that's the thing. I think people are like, oh my God, it's so vague and it's entertainment and it's not specific. I'm like, well, Chani um, is like another wizard or something because she, like you said, knows her shit and the way that whoever's writing in those apps writes, it literally speaks to your soul. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great place to start and it's very affordable. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, my final question is what I ask all my guests, and you are clearly an expert in astrology. You're also an expert in Notion, which I've already talked about, but guys, if you need Notion help, also go to Dana. But what is something that you're not an expert in that you wish that you were? Oh my God. Well, you and I both have Mars and Gemini, actually speaking of Mars entering Gemini, and I want to be an expert in everything. Like I am insatiably curious. So (laughs) I actually wish that I was an expert in coding um, because I love making things on the computer for people. That's why I'm so interested in Notion. And I wish that I had, you know, more technical prowess when it came to building digital creations. That's so interesting, Dana, because I thought that the other day I was like, I feel like if I knew how to code, I would be like a pretty unstoppable force in the digital realm. Like it was just such a random thought because that's never come up to me before. So maybe it's like a Mars and Gemini thing. We need to go find a coding course right now. We're about to be. (laughs) Watch Dana and I in like two years. We'll have a coding school. Stay tuned. Take the course. (laughs) We'll see. Well, Dana, I know people are definitely going to want to work with you after this. So where can everyone find you and what's coming up? Okay. So I am self-help witch everywhere. Um, My website is selfhelpwitch.com. I'm on Instagram as selfhelpwitch. I have a YouTube and podcast called Self Help Witch. (laughs) Um, I actually, I'm offering natal chart readings at the moment, but I am getting ready to close my books for the foreseeable future because I'm a teacher and the school year is about to begin. And so I'm also trying to make more space for the other side of my business, which is digital business consulting. So I recently started offering a product creation sprint calls with folks to help them kind of ideate and execute whatever digital product they want to make. So I kind of like use my skill as a curriculum writer to do this. And I've had a few calls. They've been going really well. So I'm super excited about it. And so, yeah, I, my whole thing is helping people with their sacred work. So whether that's your personal sacred work of getting to know yourself with astrology, or it's your actual work where you're trying to kind of channel your unique magic into your entrepreneurship or even just your daily life. That's what I'm all about. Oh, oh my gosh. I love that. And guys, sprints are the way I work best now. I've just noticed if I have like undivided attention for an hour, two hours, three hours, I get so much more done. So I feel like that's a genius offer. 
Well, thank you so much. I'm excited to offer it to people. I think it's really going to help people who so many of us have incredible ideas and we just get stuck. So I'm excited about it. Oh my gosh. Well, guys, run, don't walk to visit Self-Help Witch. Check out all her offerings. Dana, you are incredible. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Chelsea. It was so much fun. Like I said at the end of the episode, run, do not walk to work with Dana. You heard her. Her books are closing very soon. And I'm telling you, the natal chart reading that she gave me, I reference it all the time. She did it in Notion, which I think is genius because now she offers Notion templates and consoles. So to be able to have the natal chart in Notion that I can constantly refer back to is literally 10 out of 10. Like, I don't have to go watch her recording again. I don't have to ask her, wait, what did you mean by that one thing when we had our recording a year ago? No, I have the template pulled up and I can read it and reference it anytime. So check out her work at Self Help Witch. You heard her, you can find her podcast, her Instagram and everything at Self Help Witch. And be sure to follow me at Chelsea Rife. My website is chelsearife.com. And just a reminder, anybody who leaves a review during the month of August is going to win a free 30-minute podcast consult. So all you have to do is take a screenshot, send it to me at info at chelsearife.com or to me on Instagram. Just DM me the screenshot at Chelsea Rife and we'll set up that free 30-minute consult. If you don't have a podcast, what we're going to talk about is content strategy and setting up your launch. And if you do have a podcast, we're going to talk about an audit and maybe what's working and what's not and how to grow and potentially monetize it. So again, all you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This is a written review. Send it to me, info at chelsearife.com or at chelsearife. And if you're interested in actually starting a podcast and working together, I do have spaces open for one-on-one coaching. And you can also join Mike Drop My Course and get on the wait list. So I will plug that in the show notes. All right. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you next week.